Hello everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when The Office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hi everyone. And we do have Owen joining us today. He is awake and full, so we'll see what he has to say about this episode that he was napping during when we watched it. Today we will be discussing Season 6, Episode 23, Body Language. In this episode, Michael gets creepy, Dwight plays Puppet Master, and Saber is looking for new executives. This episode's cold open, now that I'm thinking about it, is kind of odd. Like, it just doesn't do anything. Like, there was hardly jokes in it, and... It just kind of took up some time. I get the impression that they're running out of cold open ideas. All the classic ones have seemingly already occurred. I can't even really think of cold opens coming up. And for me, we are really sputtering to the finish line of season six. This entire episode to me is a little boring, a little drawn out, a little already been played as far as the Michael storyline goes for me. And so we are really just trying to get to the end of season six and maybe doing a restart with season seven, in my opinion. In this cold open, Michael is learning to speak Spanish because he's going to Cancun. No mention on who or what he's doing in Cancun, like who he's going with or what he plans to do. But because he's going to Cancun, he wants to learn Spanish. He's has like very basic Spanish skills I would say like the basics he's enough probably to get by but he really wants to learn the language he tries to say good morning to Jim and Jim is apparently fluent in conversational Spanish and that really throws Michael off right Um, chances are if Michael is going to Cancun he's staying at a resort where you don't need to know how to speak Spanish very very true Luckily for Michael, they have a resident Spanish speaker in the office in Oscar. And so Oscar is trying to walk Michael through the Spanish language. And Michael is having trouble with the genders of the parts of speech in Spanish. That is a tough aspect of Spanish because I... I took Spanish in high school. I don't know other languages. I believe this might be the other, the case for other Romance languages in that there are gendered articles. I took French, and yes, there are gender, gendered articles in French as well. And um, probably in Italian as well. I believe so. Uh, language is a shared hallucination, and so language is just a weird thing anyway. It is, if you think about it. Why do you need to have gendered articles? Exactly. It doesn't make a ton of sense, but it's how these languages obviously developed. And we're obviously native English speakers, but as we're going to be teaching Owen, you know, language and words, English is hard to learn. Owen does have a little bit of a cold, a little bit of a cough. Don't be alarmed. He's okay. Yes, that's probably going to be the majority of his contributions in this episode. You're getting better though, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's it's especially weird because you have 
hear Spanish and we are talking about French and Italian, all of these are Romance languages, right. as is English to some extent, but English does not have gendered articles, which is very, very odd. Yeah, we just have like silly grammatical rules and weird spelling. Oh, yes. And- e- English is extremely dumb. Right. No, I'm not. Yeah discounting that it's just every language has its quirks and so because michael cannot get the gendered aspect of the articles down he decides to label everything per oscar's suggestion and oscar's suggestion was label everything with the international symbol for male female which is the the circle with an arrow circle with a cross yes and michael doesn't know what that is apparently because he labels everything with with genitalia, with either a penis and testicles or breast, which we can just say off the bat, he's fired because the entirety of his office and most of the rest of the office is littered with these post-its with drawings of genitalia. Right. We kick this episode off by seeing Jim and Pam working together on a sales call, or at least they're prepping for their first ever sales pitch together and it turns out that this sales pitch is to donna who is the manager of the sid and dexters that we saw happy hour occur at a couple episodes ago and this is the woman that michael kind of hit it off with that night the top i just want to make a couple of commentary notes on this episode first like i said it's kind of a boring episode in my opinion and then second this is where pam starts to get weird so so jim and pam got married that storyline's over they had the baby that storyline sort of wrapped up and pam's personality takes a little bit of a turn like she's definitely not the same person she was in season two but she's almost trying to be like lucille ball like kind of not not physically comedian but she's doing like this old school comedy routine sort of thing with jim anymore and again i know characters have to grow and develop to keep a tv show fresh but for me this is just where pam sometimes just takes a really odd turn like she used to be when jim was chasing her when they were first dating i wouldn't say she was cool by any means but she was not this dorky i as as i have said on this podcast before pam is lame and she has always been lame and this is just her lameness going to a different level yeah and so this in-office sales pitch to donna is just a recipe for disaster because I don't think it would matter who the person was that was coming into the office to get this sales pitch. Michael would go out of his way to thrust himself into the situation to kind of derail the sales pitch and to just, I don't know, meddle in it in, in some way. Sure, it's just even worse because he feels that he has some sort of connection or once he 
he likes Donna. He wants there to be some sort of romantic connection. My hang up with this episode is we've tread this path before in some respects. Like we've seen this with Michael trying to woo Jan, trying to woo Holly. We've seen this awkward the, guy. A, the the bag lady that that Amy Adams yes. played in the very first okay. in like see episode three or whatever it was. Yes. Even I'd say this is a good retread of that. To where and this is it's just uncomfortable. The whole episode is just uncomfortable because Michael is harassing this woman basically. Yeah, it gets progressively creepier. To the point where Oscar says he's being a stalker, which he definitely is. He The first move that he makes is that he interrupts Jim's pitch. So Jim and Pam have put together a PowerPoint. And this is a pretty over-the-top sales pitch, in my opinion, for a couple printers. Like, they have a PowerPoint. They brought her in. They're doing this. Two people are trying to pitch a couple printers it's kind of a lot seemingly to one place like it's not like this is a a chain or i mean yes sit and busters sit and dexters we assume is is a chain the chain ripoff of dave and busters um but like donna manages the one in scranton and not probably and probably not several of them to where the, they are they are going to be selling two or three printers to it is it's ridiculous owen they are probably not going to be selling two and three printers to say six or seven different places to where this turns into a sale of like 20 25 printers yeah and you have to assume it's just a one unless they're buying paper and ink it's just a one-time transaction sort of thing so all that aside michael interrupts saying he has a time sensitive issue he must discuss with donna and ask if she shops at victoria's secret because he keeps getting catalogs sent to his condo from the person that previously lived there jim points out this is not at all time sensitive this is kind of weird And then Michael proceeds to further take over the presentation to the point where Jim and Pam just leave the conference room because he has put together basically a photo slideshow to show how good the printers are, like how well they print colors vibrantly, which doesn't really make sense with a PowerPoint slideshow. And the slideshow is is weird so he's interspersed all these pictures of himself with like a picture of an underwear model and an old school photo of burt reynolds and at the end the of the presentation the word sex just like briefly flashes up on the screen and michael says his entire intention is to show Donna images that would turn her on and then show an image of him and then just keep going through the slides to the point where she's turned on but doesn't know what's turning her on those images of like an underwear model or the images of Michael and so as Michael wraps this presentation up he kind of like starts to make a move on Donna and it doesn't go successfully and so Michael doesn't really know what to do next. He is afraid that he's kind of put Donna off at this point, And 
he shot his shot, he missed, and that's it. And everybody is pretty much in agreement with this, except for one person. And if you know anything about this show at all, you can guess who that person is. (laughs) It's Pam. Pam constantly enables Michael in just these far-fetched, ridiculous thoughts that he has. And then wonders why Michael is the way he is. Exactly. And Michael does this with his coworkers all the time. He sort of suckers them in with these, I'm just looking for love. You all have people. I'm, I'm tired of being lonely. You know, he tells Jim and Pam that Donna could be his Pam. Because Jim's just not having any of it. Especially when he and Pam have been sort of kicked out of their sales pitch, something that could have been easily wrapped up in probably 30 minutes that they're now spending the whole day on. So Michael then hears this from Pam and decides that he's just going to keep trying. So I guess in defense of Pam, there are two things here. One, spoiler alert, she's right. But two, she makes a decent point in the sense that if Donna was truly disgusted and offended by Michael's advance, she could have left already. But she didn't. And so maybe she is interested. And that's Pam's whole point here. And it is a somewhat valid one, I suppose. I guess if, like, you could say that maybe Donna's just tolerating this until the sale is closed and then she's out of there but you know who knows and so pam has the genius idea to have michael take over for her on this sales pitch so jim and michael would go forward with the remainder of this sale and so now we have kind of two sides of a coin here where Jim is trying to be professional and trying to close the sale and Michael is trying to close the deal on a different situation. And Donna understands what's going on here. She realizes that she's sort of got Michael twisted around her finger and tries to angle for better prices. And Jim says, unfortunately, there's not a lot of wiggle room here with corporate and and Donna uses that and uses Michael's advance on her to say, well, you know, working in the restaurant industry, I know that when you're in charge, you can sort of do favors for the people that you like. Michael goes to Oscar and is like, well, you know, can we make this work? Sometimes doesn't it make business sense to lose money? And Oscar has a funny line. He's like, well, I've run the numbers. In this situation, it makes sense to earn money on this sale. And this just keeps continuing, keeps continuing. I mean, she is there for a really long time. There's these interspersions of, you know, Michael makes another advance. And then he goes back and talks to people in the office about what he should do. And again, everybody's just like, Michael, stop. It's over. And Pam continues to be like, no, it's it's good. It's still good. Yeah. Uh, 
And that's who Michael will listen to. There is a point where all hope seems lost. She's not responding to any advances. Michael is really making a fool of himself. And Pam says, well, it's unlikely, but not impossible. And so Michael's like, well, that's the answer I'm looking for. And then goes back, offers her a mint. She takes it. Yeah, this is where it really gets creepy and then aggressive. Yeah, she takes a mint, then takes the Altoid container, offers Michael a mint with her hand out, and Michael picks it up with his mouth, like, off her hand, which is just gross germs. Um, Then continue, like, tries to walk her out and keeps trying, like, basically invades her space the entire time, like, trying again to get her to kiss him trying to get her to hug him she offers a hand to shake and he's just really up in her space just i mean michael's not necessarily a menacing man but his moves are very aggressive he walks her to the door he tries to walk her to the elevator he basically corners her in the little alcove outside the entrance to the dunder mifflin office and she's still not taking it So he walks back in. He's pretty defeated. You know, Pam says, no, Michael, I'm sorry. If it makes you feel any better, I misjudge this too. So Michael's pretty down. And then, you know, I don't know, maybe 10, 20 minutes later, Aaron comes to him and says that Donna left her barrette. Can she just put it in the lost and found? And Michael's like, she left her barrette. That's a signal. I need to go give it to her. And people are like, no. Oscar's trying to be the reasonable person here and it's like, it's not at all a signal. It's not even a coincidence. It's just something that happens. Michael runs out to the parking lot. Somehow Donna's still there, like sitting in her car. Not sure why. This is not the most like logically written episode. Michael gives her the barrette again tries to make a move and it was like everyone told me I was crazy you know I thought there was something there and Donna's like no you're right and then they kiss super bizarre especially just like thinking about season six you know Donna's sort of coming out of nowhere they clearly wrote that happy hour episode to set this up they had to sort of get her back in the office, back into Michael's orbit somehow, you know, so they do this sales pitch thing. So now they've set it up that Michael can have some sort of relationship with Donna. It's funny though, when Michael comes back into the office from the parking lot, absolutely no one believes him that she was down there and that they kissed. Yeah. And then in true Michael fashion, things like this don't matter to him unless he can tell people about it. Yes. And so he's like, no, it really happened. And everybody's like, doesn't believe him. He's like, fine, it, fine, whatever. I know it happened. And then he's having this one-on-one with the camera. And he's still, you can tell he's stewing over the fact that nobody believes him because he yells back into the office that it actually happened. It's just like how he was with his relationship with Jan. He just had to tell everyone. Yeah. The B plot to this episode... There's not a, not much goes on. We do kind of get some funny like one-liners and interstitials with Dwight in it. So I think this is something that got brought up before, but 
Saber is running their print in all colors, their minority executive training program. And so we see Gabe talking to Daryl about it. And Dwight, who still has aspirations for the throne himself, feels a little threatened by Daryl because Daryl is a fast-rising player in the Scranton office. He has gone from the warehouse to having an office in the main level of the office pretty quickly. And so Dwight feels a little threatened by him. And so rather than work for someone who is competent, he wants to install his own kind of puppet manager to where he can kind of actually run things behind the scenes. And so he picks out Kelly. Unfortunately for Dwight, someone has already decided that they're going to fill that role of puppet master with Kelly, and that's Ryan. Kelly didn't really have any aspirations for this minority executive training program until Dwight first brought it up to her. And then she really plays up her Indian heritage when she's going through the interview process saying that her hobbies are yoga, belly dancing, snake charming, and laying on beds of nails. And she wears a sari to the interview. And a bindi. Yeah. Once Dwight realizes that Ryan has these aspirations and Kelly says that once she's risen up you know, to an executive, she's going to make Ryan manager and they're just going to clean house. So Dwight realizes that he's really created a monster here and doesn't really want this to happen anymore. So he tries to find somebody else. He goes to the warehouse and he pulls up, he pulls up the Japanese surgeon from the warehouse and tries to get him to interview. He's concerned, like Daryl's decided he doesn't want to, Uh, apply for the program anymore he tries to go to oscar and stanley to get them to apply however oscar and stanley say that they know that kelly has applied and that they don't want to cross her what ends up happening is kelly does get accepted to the program and gabe tells the camera that corporate's going to be really excited the program this is the first indian person to come into the program and really the program is primarily is primarily people that are black and so that's kind of what the program is and daryl says like this is a big get so that's kind of the issue i guess sometimes with with those programs i think is that it is just sort of like a check the box thing for some companies but I know that Kelly goes to the training, but I can't really recall if anything really comes out of this storyline. I I don't believe so. And that really wraps up this episode. So let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about the episode. This episode was directed by Mindy Kaling. It's her directorial debut. As I said in the cold open, when Michael talks to Jim and just says good morning to him in Spanish and Jim responds in like very fluent conversational Spanish, that's because John Krasinski 
speaks fluent Spanish and actually taught night Spanish classes uh, when he first moved to L.A. and was getting into acting. It, it's funny that a white guy in L.A. was teaching night school Spanish in a city that is has a heavy Hispanic yeah, population. Like two hours from the border, maybe. Yeah. So Michael references the movie Rudy. He's talking about, you know, trying to continue to go after Donna and you know being a sort of underdog story. And actually, the actress that uh, plays Donna, Amy Pietz, I'm going to guess is how you pronounce that. She actually had a small role in Rudy. I vaguely remember that now. I've never seen Rudy. Eh, don't waste your time. Yeah. That's all the that's all the background I have for this episode. Curtis, who gets fired? Real quick, I guess I'm jaded on Rudy for two reasons. Okay, why is that? Um, one, it's about Notre Dame football, which is just exhausting. Like, Notre Dame has this huge fan base of people that are basically broken down into like three categories. One, you actually went to Notre Dame, so that is a very small population. <laughs> right. Two, your grandpa really liked Notre Dame when there was only like four good college football teams, Notre Dame, and then like the two service academies, and then, uh, I don't know, Oklahoma. And then three, you went to a Catholic high school, and like you were kind of – in terms of your college choice, you're like pipelined to Notre Dame or you tried, you, they try to make yeah. you go to Notre Dame. You're trained for the Catholics. Or you have a, you went to insert city name here, Notre Dame. Like your high yeah. school had Notre Dame in it in its name. Right. Uh, Notre Dame sucks. Let's, um, that's just all I'll say. Also, um, apparently Rudy, the, the true life Rudy, uh, is is not a great guy. Oh, really? Yeah, I think he he's very much a uh, do you know who I am oh. guy at this oh. point. He's a Reese Witherspoon. Uh, sure. So in the summers, we stayed with my grandparents, and my grandma watched uh, Regis and Kathy Lee, like live with Regis and Kathy Lee, and Regis Philbin, I believe, went to Notre Dame and loved Notre Dame. So I just, like, when you talking about that made me think, of that category of person like just an older guy went to notre dame loves it talks about it all the time yeah so anyway on to firings michael gets fired for putting genitalia all over his office (laughs) and for hitting on a client yeah uh it's his ninth firing this season it's his 57th overall and then we lose both kelly and ryan during this episode because in a way to show just how eh, the the many sides of Kelly, the petty, the childish, the immature, the easily manipulated, we see her and Ryan creating a fake IM account of a guy that goes to high school with this girl who was rude to Kelly at the mall, yeah. I believe is how that breaks down. Yes. Uh, And is going to basically bully this girl into being anorexic, which extremely problematic in the first place. Oh my God, yeah, just that whole storyline. Yes. Um, So for all of this, they are both fired. This is actually both their first firings this season, and it is both their sixth 
overall. Antoinette, what is your Dundee for this episode? My Dundee award is that reasoning checks out and that goes to Daryl. He just says that he has decided not to apply to the print in all colors minority executive program because it would interfere with his softball schedule for that summer. And he says to the camera, he has his whole life to apply to be a minority executive. He only has one good year left with his knees. And as I get older, I can relate to that. And Curtis and I were just talking about this the other day. Like, my knees hurt (laughs) a lot more easily. Granted, I'm on the floor playing with Owen. I'm on the floor a lot more than I would have been. But I do remember the first couple weeks when he was born. Obviously, I was not used to holding a baby. And he was almost nine pounds when he was born. Granted, you know, he came home at almost eight. But it is, like just the uh, achiness of my body as I age and I'm not that old quite yet is alarming (laughs) yeah I said to you the other day that every time there are times I get off the couch with him and it feels like my kneecaps are about to just shoot out of my body Um, but yes I very much relate with Daryl here also In years past, I had a pretty much year-round calendar of uh, recreational sports from indoor soccer slash indoor volleyball to into softball season slash volleyball season slash outdoor soccer season, which went right back to indoor slash indoor soccer season slash indoor volleyball season. And during that time, I would have various nagging injuries that I was just like, well, I could go and get this checked out, but what if the doctor says I need surgery and then I'm going to miss softball season? What am I supposed to do then? So I appreciate Daryl's priorities here. What's your Dundee, Curtis? The Mixed Signals Award goes to Andy. And that is because when the office is kind of consoling Michael about not reading the situation with Donna correctly. Andy talks about how when he tore his scrotum, which we saw, uh, when he tore his scrotum, he went to a very attractive urologist who he thought was in love with him. And it turned out she was just doing her job. And he says that, you know, when you're down there messing around, it's it's easy to get confused. (laughs) and i mean andy she was just doing her job andy probably thinks that the waitress at hooters is really into him when really she's just milking him for tips yeah (laughs) yeah who is your employee of the month not really a lot of options here i just chose jim because he was the one of the only rational ones from the start and he's just trying to make a sale what about you agreed that the options here are pretty limited i chose michael because he does hit it off with donna and he was right the whole time that she was into him and this is a tough one for me to say for two reasons one because of just michael's actions in this episode are very like we said creepy and aggressive but also where this storyline goes 
isn't doesn't turn out very well for Michael. No, like most of Michael's romantic endeavors, it it really falls very flat. So we will find out how that goes in future episodes. But for now, be sure to follow us on Twitter at downsizing at downsizing pod to get all the latest updates and continue listening to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us. Be sure to rate, subscribe, like, and comment in order to keep getting our name out there. We appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you guys next time. Bye.